0: Welcome to episode number 416 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd.
1: And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is Arming Our Minds, and our guest is Dr. John Lott. Dr. Law is a president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, which is a research and education organization dedicated to providing an objective and accurate scientific evaluation Mm -hmm. of both the costs and benefits of gun ownership, as well as the policing activities. He is a world-recognized expert on guns and crimes and the author of a number of books, including More Guns, Less Crime, and his latest, The War on Guns, arming yourself against gun control lies
0: welcome back to the show dr lot
1: great to talk to you guys again appreciate you having me on
0: absolutely and i think this is the most recent isn't it the yeah, gun right. Control gun myths? Control myths. right yeah that's what i thought i i gotta write that script better <laughs> john
1: why why are they doing that why are they lying and giving us these fake numbers what's the reason
2: uh well i think it helps them accomplish what they want to accomplish on this stuff so uh you know uh there's a broad range of areas where there's a lot of misinformation out there it's not just on guns but uh i guess sometimes you or i probably feel it's overwhelmingly there so but yeah. You know, The yeah. federal government spends about $100 million a year on financing research uh, almost exclusively by public health people. Uh, you would think people would have realized that there might be some problems with the way public health research has been done over the last few years mm-hmm. uh, with the pandemic and stuff. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the Arnold Foundation's basically given about $50 million for public health research. You have uh, Bloomberg gives hundreds of millions of dollars each year to public health research. Uh, They know they put out the numbers and claims that, you know, gets repeated, has a big impact on the debate.
0: Well, and that's what I really want to drill down on is I've been hearing more and more often this phrase that uh, guns are the leading cause of death in children. And you posted recently some research, research results that show that this is yet another false claim. And it's not enough to just say, no, they're lying, right? We always have to come with all of the details and all of the specifics. They get to make these blanket statements that just, you know, drive the emotion. And then we try to come in with a logical argument and praise God for you and the work you do because it helps us make our point. But where is the lie in, or the multiple lies perhaps, in guns are the leading cause of death in children?
2: Well, there are different ways that the claims put out. Sometimes it's, as you say, uh, children. Sometimes it's children and teens that are there. Uh, Those are different if you... If you look at uh, people under age 18, uh, pretty much any way you want to cut it, uh, motor vehicle deaths, for example, are significantly greater than it is for adding murders or homicides, uh, accidental deaths, and suicides for people under 18 uh, in terms of uh, gun deaths. Um, uh, You know, but when you add teens in there, they're including uh, 18 and 19 year olds. And that does change it if you do it in some different way. So if you add up homicides, uh, uh, accidents and suicides uh, for 2020 and 2021, you can get more uh, gun deaths than you do get total vehicle deaths. Uh, the, there's a couple problems with that. One is Uh, do you want to use homicides or do you want to use murders? Homicides are murders plus justifiable homicides. It's not really clear to me why one should lump together murders and let's say somebody using a gun defensively to protect themselves against a criminal. Uh, And uh, the other thing is even when you, and so when you take, just look at murders, uh, uh, total deaths, for those under 20 uh, is for guns is less than for uh, motor vehicles, for example. Uh, there are other issues that are there. Overwhelmingly, the the deaths, even if you include homicides, are for 18 and 19 year olds uh, involving homicides, overwhelmingly gangs uh, fighting against each other type of situation. And that's bad. But mm-hmm. You know, if you were to go and ban guns tomorrow, which is kind of where they want to go on this type of thing, uh, it's not really obvious to me that you're going to stop drug gangs from getting a hold of the weapons that they need in order to go and protect the valuable drugs that they have to sell. Uh, You're going to primarily take guns away from law-abiding good citizens relative to the criminals, and the problem is uh, that's not where the deaths are occurring. Uh, The other thing is here, uh, when you include suicides in the total. So look, so the bottom line is, uh, if you look at murders rather than homicides, uh, it's a false claim that they make, even if you look at for under 20 years of age. Uh, If you look at uh, under 18, then uh, it's false, no matter, even if you want to include homicides in there. Uh, the other thing is suicides. They're essentially assuming if we could go and ban guns, there wouldn't be suicides that would be occurring that are now occurring with firearms. That's simply false. Uh, people will switch to other ways. We've seen places around the world, not just in the United States, that have banned guns uh, and seen no changes in uh, in total suicide rates. Uh, We've had bans on handguns in Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Uh, There was no real statistical change in the number of suicides. People may have changed how they commit suicide, but the total number of suicides didn't change. And that's true for other countries around the world. Uh, There are lots of other ways for people to commit suicides which have similar success rates. You know, hanging oneself... uh, Walking in front of a train or a bus, jumping from a height, uh, taking some type of poisons like cyanide or something like that, all have very similar "quote unquote" success rates uh, mm-hmm. to using a gun, and uh, people switch into using those.
0: Absolutely. And- so
1: you're so I'm sorry, but what you're saying is like if if a te- if a teenager or eighteen year old does an armed robbery and he's shot. That becomes part of the statistics that, okay.
2: Right. If a police officer shoots him or a guard shoots him or a civilian, you know, if a guy, a 19-year-old breaks into a woman's home at 2 a.m. in the morning and is attempting to rape her and she shoots him in self-defense, that's included in the firearms deaths numbers that they have.
0: It's so dishonest. And I saw another article or report fairly recently that they were including up to the age of 24 and calling them children. Like on what I don't know if
2: I've seen that. Um, The types of claim that you're just going through uh, is based on uh, New England Journal of Medicine, our letter, basically. And they had it for under 20. So they they basically called it children and teens. Uh, but since then, you know, whether it's Biden or Harris or others, uh, they've kind of shortened it to children. And you see that used uh, very frequently in discussions.
1: I, I just don't understand why. It, the reason they do these surveys is to get accurate information, but they twist it around to get what they want. So they're going to anti-gun companies or anti-gun people and saying do these surveys instead of going to a neutral that can give you the real facts, the real answers. It, right. it just doesn't now make sense. Now, you're talking
2: me. about the survey. OK, so uh, the numbers that we've been talking about aren't survey data. OK, uh, now there are surveys that are done, and I think they can be very misleading. Uh, and, and we've done a lot of work on that. So for example, um, uh, you look at surveys on assault weapons bans or or let's say background checks or uh, uh, red flag laws. Uh, the surveys for red flag laws, for example, that you see get a lot of coverage will say, uh, do you uh, support uh, letting judges uh, who find that uh, somebody is a danger to themselves or others be able to temporarily take away the person's guns and you'll find two-to-one or three-to-one support in favor of that. Uh, The thing is, uh, they interpret that as support for red flag laws, Uh, but that's actually the law that's in place every place in the country. Every state has uh, what's called involuntary or civil commitment type laws, and uh, uh, that's the process that happens there. Uh, We redid Those that survey question and then asked a couple other questions, such as, uh, do you still support these laws if you're told that there is no hearing uh, before a judge makes a decision and that there are no mental health care professionals involved in the process? And when you add in those points, it goes from having two-to-one support to almost two-to-one opposition for it. You look at something like uh, background checks on the private transfers of guns. The survey questions will will say things, do you support background checks on all private sales of guns? Uh, and as you've probably seen, you'll see 90% or so support for that type of thing. It really is just boiling down to, do you support trying to stop criminals from getting guns? But so we redid the type of survey question, got like 87% supporting it. But then we asked them, okay, um, does your opinion of uh, this law change? If you're told you have an example where let's say a a woman friend of yours calls you up on a Saturday night, an ex of hers is threatening her. Uh, She's worried about her safety. And she asked if she can temporarily borrow your gun until she has a chance to go and buy one you know that she's well-trained, you know that she has no criminal background, uh, should it be a felony for you to go and lend her your gun? Uh, when you go and you ask people that, actually the more people oppose the law than and support it. Uh, or another question we asked was, um, uh, a scout master uh, asks you if he can borrow your shotgun because uh, he's taking the scout troop out for their annual merit badges for a ski uh and uh, should it be a felony for you to go and lend him your gun uh and again a majority or most of the people oppose that uh then so you know there's a lot more kind of devils in the details type things that when people learn about these things uh, they have very different views so for example uh, Bloomberg's groups uh, back in 2016, tried putting these background check rules on the ballots in Arizona and uh, Maine. Uh, he outspent his opponents by like 20 to one in uh, in Maine and lost by four percentage points. Uh, he massively outspent people in Arizona. Uh, you know, if you're ahead by if 90 percent of the people support that and and the media gives incredibly favorable news coverage and you're outspending your opponents by massive amounts uh you shouldn't lose you know right. it, should be a, it should be a slam dunk uh and yet uh that wasn't the case and so he's understandably stopped putting uh those types of initiatives on the balance and it you would think that would be a reality check for the fact checkers out there uh, to kind of realize that maybe the polls are being uh, misstated in some way.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, they always the other side, the Bloomberg side is always calling their ideas common sense. And right. then what you just illustrated to us is that when you give somebody a real life scenario, to think about, well, real actual common sense kicks in and you're like, well, no, I don't want my neighbor, my my female neighbor to become a felon or me either because I'm loaning her a firearm. or I don't want my scout master to become a felon or me either because he's going to go out skeet shooting and teaching young children how to be safe around firearms and enjoy them in the outdoors. That's common sense. Right.
2: Well, I mean, one interesting thing recently, Gabby Giffords, uh, who heads uh, one of the better known gun control groups in the country, uh, she, in April, she gave an interview for Time Magazine. Uh, and at the end of the interview, uh, the interviewer asked her what her long-term goal was, what her goal was for, was for her activity. And she said it was to to ban all guns. And the interviewer, just to make sure that she really meant that, uh, asked her again, and she's and she confirmed, yeah, she wanted to ban all guns. Uh, an aide of hers kind of piped up and said, you know, kind of like what they've done in Australia, where they banned all guns, and that worked out very well. Uh, problem is, Australia didn't ban all guns. Uh, they had a buyback in 96 and 97 where they bought back about a quarter of the guns that were owned there at that time. Um, The thing is, uh, uh, after that, people were allowed to go and buy guns again. And by 2010, the gun ownership rate in Australia was back above what it was prior to the buyback. So what you should have observed, uh, if their claims were accurate in any way, uh, was you should have observed immediate sharp drop in crime and then an increase over time as the gun ownership rate increased. And that's not what you observe at all uh, there. In fact, uh, you look at armed robberies, they actually go the opposite way. They increase and then gradually fall over time. Um, firearm uh, homicide rates, which have been falling consistently for 15 years, uh, pretty much stopped falling for about eight years that were there. So it looked like it actually had a pernicious effect there too. So, you know, it's- uh,
0: Reality yeah. puts anyway,
2: so She's Anyway, Gabby Giffords and her husband, now Senator Mark Kelly.
1: of Arizona. Been,
2: right. Well, you guys know, know well, yeah. Uh, well, you guys just reelected him this last November.
0: Yeah, so, did we though? I mean, maybe. Well, I we guess. Did, we didn't reelect there,
1: so. him. <laughs> he, yeah, but it's funny that's how it's funny how when you're talking about Australia, Australia, that you know everybody knew about them with the gun buyback. Everybody knows about that. But how many people know? I mean, they're not really talking about crime didn't stop. They're not talking about any of that stuff.
2: Well, there's a lot of misinformation. I would say kind of statistical malpractice that's occurring there. So, like, what they'll do is they'll say the average firearm homicide rate after the buyback is lower than it was beforehand. The problem is, as I mentioned a minute ago, it was falling prior to the buyback and then it pretty much stopped. Look, let's take a simple example. Let's say you had a perfectly straight line that's falling over the whole period of time. You could pick any point along that line and the after average is gonna be below the before average. But if it's a perfectly straight line, falls at a certain rate both before and after a law goes into effect you look at it and say it's not really obvious to me that the law has had any impact Uh, because you know even though the after average is below the before average uh, you want to go and look to see did it fall at a faster rate or a slower rate was there some discontinuity in the line that was there and in fact since it starts falling at a slower rate much slower rate afterwards than it was beforehand it's Seems to me, it's pretty hard to go and argue that it was beneficial. If anything, it looks like it it made things worse after the-
1: Is it because maybe the criminals thought that people aren't armed now and they can go and do their thing?
2: Well, that, that's surely a possibility. Uh, all I can say is for sure that it didn't fall like they were predicting it was going no. to. And then no. going and uh, looking at the before and after averages is not a very useful way of uh,
0: of looking at the data there if so, you want the actual truth then it's not a very good way but if you want to paint things in as, as a certain reality then i guess they're doing exactly what they want to do exactly yeah true? sure yeah no yeah. so
1: so john it might be off topic but you know canada has has really really uh stopped their gun sales and made it against the law to to transfer guns and whatever. And from what I understand, even made it against the law for you to defend yourself with a firearm. Have we seen any statistics that that's helped them or are they giving that information out?
2: Well, I mean, the new rules that they just have are just now being enacted. So you have to see what happens after that. I mean, it's crime data gets released, you know, with a lag for a year or more. So. You know you're just seeing. talking about changes that are occurring this year so yeah. uh i don't you know it's a little bit too early to go and say mm-hmm. anything i mean but they kind of control laws go into effect in the past there and there's been work that's showed that there's been some bad effects from that but mm-hmm. obviously as you're indicating they're having very large changes right now in their rules
1: right
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be
1: interesting down. and i my prediction if we can predict is that it's not gonna be favorable news.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not gonna argue with you. I mean, I <laughs> think, I think uh, uh, the problem that you have is that uh, it's the more law abiding good citizens who are disarmed by these types of groups. Yeah. And, uh, you know, criminals, you know, you go to Toronto and places like that, a lot of the gun crime are basically gangs, drug gang type activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's still going to be occurring.
1: Yeah. And we see that. We have perfect examples in the larger states that uh, have uh, strict gun control versus the states that don't have gun control. We, 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 we've we got a perfect example like Arizona. Our crime is down. Chicago, their crime is up. Can you own a gun in Chicago? Not easily. Can you own a gun in Arizona? Freely. And responsible gun owners are, are, are practicing safe gun control. Well there are a
2: lot I mean, there's a lot of things that go into what's happening, the crime rate. Uh uh in Chicago they've had uh, you know, twenty percent or less of murders result in an arrest. Uh you know, nationwide you're talking about sixty four percent. So they you know, in twenty twenty they cut the number of police officers in Chicago by four hundred positions. You know, and uh you have a uh, district attorney there with Kim Fox, who was refusing to prosecute violent criminals. Uh, a little bit over a year ago, you had a situation, for example, where you had uh, two drug gangs fighting against each other at 11 o'clock in the morning in broad daylight. Um, uh, one person was killed, a couple other people sent to the hospital. Uh, you had it videotaped on high-definition video. Uh, and yet, wow. the. Kim's Fox's office refused to prosecute anybody there. Uh, her her office's initial statements was she wasn't going to prosecute anybody because it was quote mutually agreed to combat. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, Is later that a statute
0: said, somewhere in their laws.
2: <laughs> and uh, and later on they changed that uh, after all the flack they got to basically say we're not going to prosecute because we don't have enough evidence but even uh then mayor Lori lightfoot who is a former prosecutor herself uh and obviously extremely left-wing said that that was even too much for her because uh you know here here we had uh the sworn statements from police who were there who witnessed it you had high definition video uh you know her response was how much more evidence can you possibly have Uh, for this type of case. So, you know, but look, it's not rocket science. If you make it so it's not risky for criminals to commit crime because uh, you make it difficult for police to arrest people, you make it so that even those who are arrested aren't prosecuted. you have had uh, liberal judges around the country who are releasing large numbers of inmates uh, from jails. Uh, You know, it's, not too surprising that you're going to have more crime.
0: Absolutely. Well, and kind of tying in with the, you know, when you're talking about the the gang crime and and the average ages of the, the people who are engaging in that kind of crime, maybe we can see where someone is trying to make an argument that says, well, if we can just raise the age of gun ownership to a flat, 21 years old forget about this you know you can have some guns when you're 18 and then others when you're 21 maybe you can see how people are trying to make an argument for that
2: right but well, I
0: mean again yeah. gangs are not known for their law abiding you know let's go get a universal background check as i'm buying my firearm that i'm going to go have mutual combat with <laughs> you know so is that the magic pill is changing right. well I, I would
2: phrase the discussion a little bit differently i'd say okay. look um uh, one of the arguments that are made for raising the age to 21 is that 18 19 and 20 year olds commit crime at relatively high rates and that's true and a lot of those crimes they commit with guns okay. uh, and that's true but when you're talking about banning the sale of guns to people under age 21 you're talking about stopping people who, the only people you're changing the rules for really are those who are legally buying a gun. And so the question isn't whether all 18, 19 and 20 year olds or or let's say a a large group of them uh, may commit crime. The question is, what's the crime rate for those who can legally buy a gun? The ones who you're going to be changing the rules for who can now go through a background check and what you find is that those people tend to be very law mm-hmm. uh, you know, unlike some of the others in their age group. So, uh, you know, you, do you have a fair number of murders committed by 18, 19, 20-year-olds? Yeah, you do. Uh, the thing is, uh, about 90% of murderers have a violent criminal history, mm-hmm. uh, so it's illegal for them to go and buy guns to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, The data that I have for a few states indicates that 18, 19, 20-year-olds who can pass criminal background checks tend to be at least or more law-abiding than those who are older. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, John, Gabby Gifford's not happy with you (laughs) because you're messing with her agenda.
2: Okay, well, here I thought I was one of her favorites, I'm really (laughs) hurt.
0: I know. We, we hate to break it to you, especially on, on public uh, Are you sure podcasts. about this?
1: Well, if, if her agenda is, I, I haven't taken any surveys, but if I did surveys, I think it'd come out that uh, they would be, she'd be against you right now. Really? Because you're given really good information and what? it's not working for them because they Sorry. need to, yeah. I know.
0: You, you feel
2: I, bad. I, right? I can change my answer if that would help.
1: Well.
0: <laughs> Apparently, that is the in vogue because that's what was going on in chicago right just keep changing the answer so you you land on the one they want
1: so if if two people mutually agree to have a gunfight they can go to chicago go on the street and have a gunfight because
0: that sounds like dueling is is now legal in chicago i'm not sure they would apply that to everybody i'm thinking they would i'm thinking they wouldn't well you know and i just want to uh anecdotally share that when dan and i got married i was 18. he was a little older than 18 but i was 18 and we were business owners like right out of the gate and i would as a young 18 19 year old person 20 year old person would go make the bank drop every day and i was not legally allowed to conceal carry to protect myself with a firearm and this kind of law would would make it where I would not be able to do that. Sure, uh, I
2: mean, 18, 19, and 20 year olds are victims of crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have women who are being stalked who are 20 years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, They benefit from being able to go and protect themselves just as people who are over twenty one can.
0: Exactly. Right. I, we were property owners, business owners. I could have been sued in a court of law. But i can't protect myself and and, and i couldn't have a, a glass of champagne at our uh and and you know anniversary it's, it's, i can but understand why
2: they want you don't you to drink too
0: much but yeah uh,
1: well <laughs> she needed to drink a lot because she's married to me but <laughs> what i what i'm i look at the constitution over there the little pocket constitution we have here and you know there's already so infringements so many infringements on our gun rights right now but to take away guns from 18 to 21 years old I don't think that's in here. I don't think that's, you know, infringement means infringe. And I, so I, I don't get it, John.
0: Well, and uh, I'm sorry, did you want to respond to that?
1: Well, all I, I, well, I was
2: going to say, it sounds like you've been asking a number of rhetorical questions, but who knows?
0: <laughs> possibly, yeah. possibly rhetorical. Um, speaking of the constitution, and right our, our neighboring state, because we're in Arizona, our neighboring state of California, which we we used to love a whole lot more, but nowadays it's harder and harder with their governor Gavin Newsom uh throwing around his uh anti American isms. Um, he wants to actually make an amendment to the constitution. And maybe that's the magic pill that makes everybody safer. What do you what do you think about that? Uh
2: well, uh, I guess I have multiple thoughts. One is, at least he's acknowledging that the Second Amendment uh, does uh, provide protections mm-hmm. and that he feels it's necessary to amend the Constitution to get around that. I like uh, that. The other hand, I don't think it's going to go anyplace. I don't mm-hmm. think Democrats control the state legislatures and the governorships in 17 states. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need 38 in order to ratify an amendment to the Constitution. So... I think there are ways off on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, I don't think that they have two thirds votes in the House and the Senate to go and pass what he wants to have. And so I don't think that's going to be going place likely. Um, you know, I think uh, it's, you know, they have a number of different rules that they're putting forward, he's putting forward in that. Uh, one dealing with raising the age of gun ownership to 21. That we've already talked about. Uh, we've talked. He has universal background checks, background checks on private transfers that we've talked about. Uh, they have waiting periods. They have an assault weapons ban. Uh, you know, uh, so many of these things. Uh, they talk about the benefits from such laws, but they never talk about the costs. Uh, to me, as an economist, essentially everything has costs and benefits. Uh, So If you take something like waiting periods, they'll talk about cooling off uh, effects. But uh, there's also the fact that somebody who may need a gun quickly for protection, let's say a woman uh, who finds herself being stalked, uh, making her wait 10 days in California, uh, maybe 10 days too long for her Mm -hmm. to be able to go and protect herself. So in California, uh, you have not only a waiting period, but you also have uh you know these uh these background checks on private transfers of done so if she finds herself in a dangerous situation uh it's a felony for somebody to lend her a gun and it's she can't go and legally buy it until the waiting period is over
1: john 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 all they got <laughs> it, they can do a restraining order come on They can just call nine one one.
2: That's true. And after she's killed, she, he can be arrested or whatever. So yeah. that will work. But uh, anyway, um, you know, for a lot of these things, so if somebody's really thinking of harming somebody else, um, uh, you know, so you have a one year prison term for violating a restraining order. Well, the person may already be facing a life sentence for murder. Uh, will the restraining order really matter in that case? And the answer is no. Uh, You know, to see the same thing with gun-free zones in Tennessee, uh, if you violate the school gun-free zone, it's six years in prison up to, but that's a sizable penalty for you or me. Uh, Our lives would be completely changed if we had to spend six years in prison. Right. Uh, But, you know, the person who murdered six people at the Covenant School in Nashville uh, a few months ago, uh, that person, uh, if there are assuming they had lived, they died, is what is usually the case. But assuming that they had lived, they would have faced uh, six life sentences or six death penalties. Um, would six additional years make a difference? You know, they, they could say, well, I can live with the six death penalties, but you add another six years onto it, and that's just too much. I You know, I won't commit the crime if you add another six years. Right. Onto it. It's just not a serious discussion. What you these laws e- end up doing is that they ensure that it's the law-abiding good citizen who's not going to cause any problems, uh, whose life is gonna be dramatically changed uh, if they violate. So they're not gonna violate the law. But uh, at the same time, uh, the criminal, it actually isn't a real penalty for them. And so they actually have an incentive to go and violate the law at that point because they know that they're the only person that's going to carry
1: them.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, It's
1: it's funny because like, well, it's not funny, but uh, school zones and say you're dropping your kid off, you're going to work and you have a gun in the car and you get a minor violation because maybe you're parking in a handicap zone to drop your kid off and they find that you have a gun in the car. You're subject to maybe six years in prison for that. But yet you know, it, it doesn't solve any problems.
0: Right. You weren't brandishing it. Right. You weren't using it. You weren't threatening anybody. It, it's, it, I think so many of these things are well-intentioned, but then when you really break them down and put them in the light of day, they just don't, they don't hold up. And this is my, my next topic I want to talk to you about was a video, uh, or there is a video of it. You were testifying at the Texas house select committee it got a little spicy in this particular one and uh, i actually watched it a couple of times because you just don't normally see the amount of um i don't know vitriol and the way that some of these legislators were pushing back on your testimony you it was so obvious that they were not actually hungry for information Because we want some information and we're going to use that and we're going to make some good decisions. They were annoyed by your presence, it seemed. They were insulting you. The one guy called you by the wrong name, right? Suddenly you're Mr. Ross or something. I don't know. Uh, But the whole thing was just a little bit revealing. It was very revealing for me. But um, what you were trying to do as part of your testimony was offer compelling information about how to effectively protect children from what happened at the uh, Covenant School in Tennessee and, U- and other schools. And they were focusing
2: on Uvalde. And Uvalde, uh, well, because they, they're they Texas. Had, had about an hour and, I don't know, half, something like that, of uh, family members or others that had lost loved ones at Uvalde, and they were all calling for, you know, mainly in this case to go and raise the age for gun ownership to 21 because the person who uh committed the attack was less than that. and uh you know i don't know if this was an unusual testimony i've run into people being pretty upset about uh things in the past too uh but uh You know, I suppose one thing I did learn is that you shouldn't compare crimes rates across places in terms of per capita rates. You should just look at the total number.
0: One guy, he just he really wanted to tell you how to do your expertise, right?
2: (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of funny. I was trying to explain to him. So do you want to compare the total number of murders in Texas and Wyoming? Presumably, you want to adjust for the fact that Texas is a much bigger state than Wyoming is, and so you want to put it in per capita terms, but he was insisting, no, you wanted to just look at in terms of total numbers, but look, um, uh, I thought the point that I was making was a pretty simple one, it's in fact, one of the points I was making was just the one we just discussed about gun-free zones, and how, who obeys those, and what effect, you know, the penalties have, is it a real penalty on the person who, going to be killing lots of people or not compared to the law abiding people that were there. Um, I was talking about the fact that uh, so many of these mass murderers, if you read their diaries or manifestos, explicitly talk about picking targets where they know their victims aren't gonna be able to go and defend themselves. Uh, These guys may be crazy in some sense, but they're not stupid. Their goal is to get media attention. They know the more people they kill, the more media attention that they're going to get. And they know if they go to a place where victims are defenseless, they're going to be, it's going to be easier for them to go and kill people. Right. So, you know, I was trying to make those points to them. Uh, It wasn't, uh, obviously, the Democrats uh, were pretty strongly against the points, but, you know, you still make them, uh, you know. Hopefully it makes a difference.
0: Well, I think that the, the cloud of confusion and emotion and anger, um, I, I think some of it is actually designed to try to prevent people from us, like us, from showing up and testifying, from speaking up at at these places, at state level, federal level, maybe even school boards, and I, I guess I just want to ask you, how important is it that we do show up? Because, I mean, do they just completely discount us and discount you with all of your knowledge and expertise, or, or does it really ultimately matter? Do we need to still show up and speak up?
2: Well, you know, hopefully there's some people in the middle that you can influence to some extent.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh
2: and I think uh, politicians want to be reelected, and if they have a feeling that a lot of their constituents uh, may be against uh, and strongly against uh, whatever vote they're taking on something, mm-hmm. I think it registers with them. I think it makes some difference. Uh, but you, you know, you have to communicate with them. You have to call, you know, not just any legislator, but the one that represents you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to
2: ignore calls right. from that are outside their district, largely. Uh, But if you live in a district, you let your state legislators know uh, how you feel about an issue, I think it matters. Um, I had one situation earlier this year, I mean, this doesn't happen often, but uh, in Vermont, where they were talking about raising the age uh, of of being able to own uh, certain semi-automatic guns uh, to 21, and uh the committee had four democrats and one republican uh two of the democrats actually had co-authored the bill and uh i was the one expert who testified against it and they ended up voting uh five to five to zero against the bill even the co even the authors voted against whoa, it whoa
1: that's so, awesome.
2: Uh, but, you know, that doesn't happen often, but, you know, every once in a while you have something like that happen. Uh, but I think just in general, people care about uh, uh, what their constituents think about these things. So I think it's important that their constituents speak up. You know,
1: it's a great example when you say that a person who co-wrote a bill changed his mind after listening to you proves the fact that a lot of the people out there that are anti-gun are only anti-gun because somebody told them they should be anti-gun, and they don't really know the facts. Yeah. But I want to talk to you one other thing, John. The uh, you know you're arguing with the legislatures at the Texas Select Committee or whatever, and um, you know we've had a gun shop for 20 years in an area that's not the best area. It's nice, but it's not the best area. And along there's several shops, and I would say that. There's probably four or five arm robberies a year at these shops that are in the area. I question Why would my gun shop never robbed? Arm <laughs> robbed?
0: I don't you know if that's know? his area of expertise, but I'll tell you what,
1: I'll just let you do the show from now on. <laughs> <laughs> <The
0: show. laughs> Mr. Ann, our uh, rhetorical question over here.
1: Well, it's, um. it's, you know, it, you talk about the, the school shootings and stuff where they have signs that say no guns allowed. It's the same thing. Would, the, would that person have went to an NRA convention and started shooting? Yeah, you know, totally it's, nice. it's just people that are armed, legally owned firearms, responsible, can stop this.
0: And they do stop them. And, you know, you mentioned, Dr. Lott, about the manifestos right? The the things that, that these murderers have written. And you would think if you were diagnosing any other thing, you would want to go back into, you know, the as much of the person's, say, their medical history, right? To try to find clues about, well, how do we head this off? How do we stop this thing? Somehow you make it about firearms and and we have the answers right in front of us out of the horse's mouths this is why i'm doing this this is how i had planned to do it here's what caused me to change my ideas about where to do it and and it's like it 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 means nothing to the people that are actually irresponsible for making these legal decisions help me
2: well i mean i guess i have two points to make one is look i can understand why they focus on guns to some extent and that is. Guns make it easier for people to commit crimes. Uh, They also make it easier for people to protect themselves and stop crimes from occurring. But, uh, you know, and surely the media, uh, you know, one thing I'll mention is uh, you go and ask people, like, what percent of violent crimes do you think involve guns? Uh, Democrats think it's 58%. Uh, Republicans think it's 38%. Uh, In fact, a little bit less than 8% of violent crimes involve guns. And so I don't don't really blame people. The media coverage on these things has a big impact on people's perceptions.
1: You said 8%? 8% of violent crimes are committed with guns?
2: Yeah, you and I have talked about this before on an earlier episode that we had. But right. 8%? 8% 8 of violent crimes involve guns. And and this is the epidemic
0: that we're trying to fix, right?
2: Well, I mean, you want to try to reduce violent crime generally. You don't care whether it's committed with a gun or not uh, necessarily. Uh, But, uh, you know, you want to, the same things that reduce violent crime generally will reduce violent crime with guns. You want to make it risky for criminals to commit crimes. You want to have higher arrest rates, higher conviction rates, longer prison sentences. Uh, The riskier it is, the less likely they're going to do it. Um, The fact that victims can defend themselves also makes it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime and can deter them from uh, engaging.
1: Well, John, I think that I'm sorry, but I I think that the people that are anti-gun that are really wanting to get rid of our guns like Gabby Gifford, there'll never be a time that all guns are gone. That's their goal.
2: Yeah.
1: But there'll never be that time.
2: Look, uh, what we've shown, people have read my books, like More Guns, Less Crime, know that every place in the world that's banned either all guns or all handguns has seen an increase in murder rates. Uh, You know, their claim that somehow we're safer if we can go and ban guns, you'd think every place should see a drop in murder rates rather than an increase. Uh, you think out of randomness, surely once or twice it should go down or at least stay the same. Right. And yet every single time it goes up. And there's a simple explanation for that. And that is when you and and this applies not just to gun bans but to generally any type of gun control law. You have to be careful that it's not primarily going to be obeyed by law-abiding good citizens. You may take some guns away from criminals, but if you're primarily taking guns away from law-abiding good citizens, you make it relatively easier for criminals to go and commit crime, and they go and commit more crime.
0: I sure do. It's it's so crazy to me that we can't figure that out.
1: I have to say one thing to all the legislatures out there. Me, I'll give you some advice. There's two people in this world that you don't argue with, and it's, <laughs> and it's because of their intense knowledge and their intense uh researching mm-hmm. but it's john law and you oh. <laughs> those are two people i will not argue with okay. because you're not going to win because you know you you put your heart you put your whole life into to trying to show people that these things are these claims are wrong right and well, i appreciate absolutely that I
0: agree with you about don't argue with dr john lott and to put me on that that level, I'm like, okay, next time I'll just threaten you oh with my Dr. Gosh. John Lott. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: argue with you, me. You just don't. I, I
2: appreciate you having me on today. Thanks for <laughs> your time. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, let me ask you one more question and then I will let you go. You made an interesting wager recently. You asked gun control activists to put their money where their theories are, and apparently nobody has taken you up on that. What is this wager?
2: Well, it was for academics who are kind of gun control, pro gun control academics, uh, prominent people, some of them have spoken out very strongly about the gun control laws in Brazil. Uh, we've had major changes in Brazil over the last four or five years or so. Uh, under Bolsonaro, uh, the previous president of Brazil, they had an over 600% increase in uh, and the number of legally owned of people legally owning guns in Brazil. Uh, and despite the predictions in the media and these academics, uh, uh, murder rates plummeted. You had about a 34% drop. Uh, when the new president Lula, a socialist, came into office on January 1st, uh, he banned the sale of guns, he banned the sale of ammunition, he banned concealed carry, and he's moving to take away the licenses uh, for the people that were given licenses under Bolsonaro. And uh, uh, so, you know, the same people who had been predicting disasters under Bolsonaro were now happy in saying that this will make uh, Brazil a much safer place. So I've said, you know, if you guys really believe this, uh, let's kind of memorialize this in a way that people will remember uh let's put up a bet and so i I i've reached out now to 13 academics uh eight of them uh never responded uh despite multiple attempts to contact them Mm -hmm. and uh they basically you know the other ones uh refused to take the bet for various reasons i've written what they've said and uh you know you think they're willing to go and tell the media what they think is going to happen. They're willing to go and tell state legislatures or Congress uh, make predictions on this stuff. And, and my bet was, I'll bet you $1,000. If the murder rate goes down, I'll pay you $1,000. If it goes up uh, over the next two years, uh, you pay me $1,000. And none of them were willing to take that.
0: I, I really like that. We need to figure out some Vegas odds on that that uh, wager, because I, I think it's really, brilliant really to illustrate, is that me? I hope that wasn't me, to illustrate uh, exactly what people, how much they really believe what's coming out of their own mouths. But uh, I know we need to let you go. I'm going to hold up two of your mini books, and I'll ask you to tell folks how they can continue to follow the work that you do.
2: Well, they can go to our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. They can also sign up for our email list. We send out an email once every two weeks on Saturday morning uh, for showing the recent research and writings that we've done on different issues that go through the different types of points that we've been talking about uh, today.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for all you do. It really is so important. To helping us make better um, decisions, better arguments, uh, better debaters, and I uh, don't know where we'd be without you. So thank you so much, Dr. John. Lee. I don't know how
2: much longer I'm going to be doing it, but anyway, appreciate it. Thanks.
1: You need to keep on, John. Thank you very much for everything. Okay.
2: Absolutely. Probably not much longer. Anyway, thanks. All
1: right, bye. thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye bye. This guy has put his whole life into this, and and he's and his information is true. It's factual. It's not designed to
0: deceive. Right. It's not designed to deceive. Right. And And that's what. Other side, it just absolutely is. And it makes me nutty because we are, we have to talk past each other because we can't keep dumbing down our side to try to meet them with their emotional level of understanding of things.
1: And that's what's all based on emotions. We're going to
0: lift them up. To where they can have a more intelligent um, goal-driven. Uh, well, there's is goal-driven, um, strongly goal-driven. But to to have actual um, safety, not not this this uh, uh, appearance of safety, but actual safety, especially you know the work that I do as the President of the AZCDL Foundation. Our mission is to bring faster, saves lives, and emergency school response program to violent encounters on school campuses, church campuses. Uh, the work that I'm doing with that, you know, we can we can explain and show the tactics that we're teaching and using are effective. In protecting banks and protecting... Yeah, but if we didn't have...
1: If we could get rid of the guns...
0: But somehow when it comes to our children, it's suddenly ineffective. Yeah, but if
1: we didn't have guns, then we wouldn't have to have a faster save the lives. And th- oh, is that right? Well, that's what they think. And they think that they can remove all the guns. I mean, if you think that simple putting the sign, no guns allowed, works, mm-hmm. then...
0: I'm trying to think of what, what nation it was, but they're recently... Um, there was a, a young girl. She got angry because her phone was taken away. Her phone was taken away by the school authorities because she was having an inappropriate relationship with an adult male who was on staff. And they thought, well, if we take away the communication piece, then we can you know, stop it. She set the school on fire while people were sleeping. That's against the law. Because it was a dorm. Yeah.
1: But that's against the law. It's
0: against the law. And I think it was 100 or so people died. I, I oh. should have looked that up before I'm spouting off stuff, especially when we're interviewing somebody like Dr. John Lott because he always knows his the facts. facts,
1: ma'am, just the facts.
0: But, yeah, so people can murder each other, hurt each other with fire, with knives, Bars. cars, with uh, pressure cookers, hands. Pans. So, you know, we really need to focus more on some of the core issues like when we were talking about suicide if we were really serious about suicide the mental it's not a gun issue it's a it's a despair issue it's a a condition of the human spirit
1: just like the red flag laws i mean you you take the guns away from somebody uh because they're going to hurt somebody or themselves doesn't solve anything because it's the person that we've talked about this thousands of times but it's the person that needs the work so absolutely but you know what we need to thank John a lot for being on the show today, and we need to thank our wonderful listeners for taking the time to listen to us Absolutely. talk about important things.
0: Yes, our viewers, our listeners, thank you so much, uh, because especially when we have these conversations and then you take those conversations into your carpool, you know, at the, your kids' soccer uh, game, uh, fellow moms and dads and you unpack these things, that is where the rubber meets the road. That's where these conversations really move the needle on, you know, challenging people's thoughts rather than just, you know, oh, well, CNN said or Fox right. said and they just do this mindless head bob. Well, now there's this new piece of information that even if you're disagreeing, and that's awesome because if you're mentally engaged. If you're disagreeing, And then you can go and do your own research and you can look up these books and and argue with mentally argue with it all day long or go, oh, wow, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I need to talk to my legislators in a different way. Just like
1: John was talking about the guy that wrote the bill. That's amazing to me. That's something that's headline news. The guy writes a bill to restrict firearms and then after listening to John, changes his mind and drops the bill. How You know, that tells you how misinformed the people are.
0: Yeah. And there's power there. All right. um, Again, thank you so much. If you want to go back and watch this video or any of our videos, you can go to any place you find your videos, YouTube, GunStreamer. But when you go there, please be sure to click the notifications and the subscribe buttons because that tells those platforms, don't cancel us. This is important information. Yes, we talk about guns. But. It's important, and we are um, valuable to you. Yes. Uh, also, if you want to listen to the audio-only version, because you're out on a long bike ride or a long walk. Or, or canoeing. Canoeing, kayaking. Kayaking. We just were kayaking this weekend. It was amazing. Uh, then go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and...
1: Binge listen to your heart's content, darling.
0: And if you want to see photos and bios and links to all of the works of our guests, including Dr. Lott and his uh, crime prevention research um, work that he does at his crimeresearch.org, I have links there uh, on the guest tab. It is a great resource. It's ever growing. When you spend time there, we don't hate that. All right. Until next time, we are going to
1: pray for our nation,
0: pray for our leaders. How about the ones you are frustrated with, Dan? ones you don't like too much
1: yeah we need to pray for them they get wisdom
0: maybe especially those right and until next time be good to each other have a great week and
1: god bless bye-bye